Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. He is Peter Watson, I can prove it probably, and I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, you might have become used to the fact that occasionally now we do little flashback episodes. We do little flashback episodes occasionally, don't we, Peter? Absolutely, yes. Yes. And we do these because we've either discovered stories or Peter's had a sleepless night and has been typing keywords into Google and has found uncovered (laughs) stories that feature elements that we should probably touch on. And one of these situations that's cast up the story we're going to do today, if we're both being completely honest... We probably should have thought about this one sooner. <laughs> well, technically, it's not another parallel world. It's another dimension. So, you know, we can yeah. forgive him for that. You know, it's another dimension. And technically, the hero does meet another version of himself, technically. Yes. And so we have decided to do a Green Arrow story, which appears over consecutive issues of Adventure Comics. It appears in issue 252, which was published on the 31st of July, 1958, cover dated September. And concludes in Adventure Comics 253, which went on sale on the 28th of August 1958, cover dated October. And chapter one of this story is called The Mystery of the Giant Arrows. Now, Green Arrow has popped up a few times, obviously, in the podcast already. Mm -hmm. He's appeared in some JLA stories that we've done. So we'll just give you the basic bare bones stats. He appeared in More Fun Comics, issue 73, on sale in September 1941, dated November 1941. He appeared around about the same time as Aquaman and Johnny Quick. And he ran all the way up to issue 107 of More Fun Comics, which was published in November 1945, before making the jump over to Adventure Comics with issue 103, which was published in February 1946. And as we've probably mentioned in the past a couple of times when we've done the Crimson Avenger and all that sort of stuff, yeah. he was also a member of the superhero team that appeared in Leading Comics, variously known as the Lords Legionnaires, and of course the Seven Soldiers of Victory, but you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that group in the future. So yes, Green Arrow. Are you a big Green Arrow fan? Uh, yes, uh, I would say I'm a middling Green Arrow fan. My favourite version of Green Arrow, I think, is probably the Justice League Bronze Age version, you know, where he's just, just got the goatee, he's the angry young man, he's, you know, he's, he's lost his money, he's like fighting for the people... And he's always up in Hawkman's face and palling about yeah. with Hal Jordan. That's that's the Green Arrow that I like. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I remember the the first time I probably would have encountered him would have been probably when about nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine. I think most likely in an issue of Justice League. But I remember having a couple of issues of Green Lantern Stroke Green Arrow when I was a kid. Yeah, which seemed the most obvious comic idea ever. You know, they're both reading <laughs> in their names. They, obviously, of course, they're going to team up. They must be friends. To this day, I still don't know why we haven't had a Red Bee and Red Tornado miniseries, but, you know, I don't make the rules. Hanging about with the Red Torpedo. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. He turns up in issue six and it all kicks off. Anyway, so we're doing a story, as we've said, it's a two-part story. It's a story that's actually been reprinted many times. Reprinted in issue 449 of Action Comics, published in April, dated July 1975 with a page worth of story missing to sort of smooth the transition between issues. Reprinted in issue 23 of DC Special Blue Ribbon Digest. Mm-hmm. Reprinted in The Greatest 1950s Stories Ever Told, Hardback Collection 1990. Reprinted in The Green Arrow by Jack Kirby in 2001. And yeah. also reprinted again in The Jack Kirby Omnibus Volume 1, published by DC Comics in 2011. And reprinted in Showcase Presents Green Arrow Volume 1, which came out in 2006. So there's been plenty of opportunities to collect and read this story over the years. Wow, yes. 
It's probably been reprinted almost as many times, if not more times, as as the famous Flash of Two Worlds. Well, quite possibly, yeah, more, yeah. Yeah, and and this story, of course, precedes Flash of Two Worlds by a couple of years, which is mm-hmm. which is interesting. It's always fun finding out stuff that precedes Flash of Two Worlds. <laughs> anyway, PC, tell us about the cover to Adventure Comics two hundred and fifty two, even though Green Arrow isn't on it. Well, at this time, Superboy was the main feature in Adventure Comics, and of course, it's a Superboy cover. Mm. You have. Superboy as the super sentry of Smallville and he's hovering over some citizens of Smallville and he's basically sitting in a cross-legged position hovering in the air, standing guard over Smallville or else the world will be doomed. But the Smallville citizens are saying, come on Superboy, get down, you've been hovering there for a week, Uh, you have to come down. Come on, uh, yeah, come on Clark, sort it out. So that's absolutely nothing to do with the story. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Shall we make a start then? Let's go for it. Awesome. So, the first page of the story. We have a kind of splash panel which sets us up, and there's a caption for this kind of splash panel, and it goes a little something like this. From where did the fantastic arrows come? Those giant missiles that rained down from out of the skies. Who fired them, and for what purpose? Even the Green Arrow and Speedy, the world's wizard archers, were baffled by... The, the mystery, mystery of, of the, the giant, giant arrows. And this establishing panel shows Ollie and Roy astride a giant arrow, which is fl- it seems to be getting pulled by a, a giant cosmic rope, and they're being pulled up into space. And Speedy is saying, We're being hauled into space, GA. By whom? And Green Arrow replies, We'll soon know. You know, I have to say, if I was script editor, I would have maybe changed Oliver's line there. I would have said, We'll know soon enough. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, into the story proper, and the caption for the first panel says, Noonday in the city, and an odd crowd watches an object hurtle from the heavens. And we should say, this is the first story we've done that's been drawn by the great, the legendary Jack Kirby. Yes. And the punters we see in this panel couldn't look more Jack Kirby if they tried, because what we see is some people on the streets. People on the streets are obviously under a bit of pressure there. Yeah, they're definitely under pressure. Why can't we give love one more chance? Anyway. And there's a man clutching a walking stick, and he says, Look, look up there. What is it? And there's a woman in red, and she says, Some kind of spaceship, isn't it? There's a man in a pinstripe suit, looks appalled. Another man, all the men are wearing hats, it seems, so you can tell um, President Kennedy hasn't arrived yet. And then in the final panel of this opening page, and there's literally panic on the streets because flying down from the sky is a giant metallic arrow. Now, if we point out at this point, I've got my copy of The Greatest 1950 Stories Ever Told open at the story, and I've also got my copy of the, the Jack Kirby Omnibus, which reprints the story open as well. And virtually everything has been recoloured in The the Greatest 1950 Stories Ever Told. Yeah. Because Peter's reading from his original, and from what Peter's saying about his original, and from what I can see in the, the 1950s book, it looks like it's been completely recoloured for the 1950s book, which is quite interesting. Anyway, so this giant metallic-looking arrow, coloured sort of orangey-red, is plummeting down towards the street. There's a speeding car on the right of the panel, the woman looking out and watching it. And the panic in the streets is people running everywhere. And one man with his hat flying off cries, Run for your lives, everybody! It's a giant arrow! We move to the top of page two, and the caption says, Television cameras speed to the scene, and within moments, close-ups of the incredible arrow are flashed throughout countless homes, including Oliver Queen's. Oliver Queen's got his television on, and there's a TV report showing the arrow on the screen embedded in the, the pavement of the city, and a voice coming from the television saying, 
Who fired this huge arrow, and why? That's what everybody is asking. And what is its purpose? Can something be done about it? And in their swish apartment, we can see that Roy Speedy Harper is fixing his hat into position. He's already got changed, and Green Arrow is lifting his mask and his bow. And Green Arrow is saying, A strange giant arrow. This is a job for the Green Arrow and Speedy. Hooray! The caption for the next panel says, Arriving in their sleek arrow car, the battling bowmen use their catapults to hurl them skyward. Yeah, and the next panel shows that they have arrived in the city where the arrow is, and we see them being launched in silhouette out of the arrow car, flying up into the air, and Green Arrow says, Ready with your cable arrows, Speedy? The giant arrow's teetering. It's about to crash down at any second now. Then the caption for the next panel says, Stationing themselves on opposite rooftops, the ace archers fire one cable arrow after another. And we see Green Arrow and Speedy now up on the rooftops, and as the caption says, and they're firing cable arrows, and we can see that the, the cables are sort of securing the arrow in position by you know twisting around the arrow and around advertising holdings and poles on the, on the roofs of the buildings, obviously trying to keep it in place. And like a Greek chorus, the aforementioned People on the streets are commenting. A voice comes from down below saying, Look, Green Arrow and Speedy have braced the big arrow so it can't fall. And a second voice says, Good thing that they did. It would have crashed right through the buildings. We have a bit of a slow dissolve then in the caption for the next panel. Then shortly afterwards. And Green Arrow and Speedy are now back down on the ground. There's quite a lot of people standing around looking at this giant arrow. And the policeman is saying to Green Arrow, What do you make of it, G.A.? How could anyone have shot an arrow this size? Green Arrow, looking up at the arrow, says, It's a mystery to me. It would require a bow of incredible size to fire such an arrow. Then the caption for the next panel says, At that moment... And we can see a woman and Green Arrow and a man in a hat, and they're all looking up at the sky. The man in a hat's pointing. The woman says, Listen, that music, it sounds like musical thunder. And the man in the hat's saying, Up there, up there, look what's causing it. We move to the top of page three and a caption says, The source of the eerie music is another gigantic arrow. Yeah, and there's another arrow flying overhead and it's a slightly different design to the other one. It seems a bit sort of narrower at the tail. It has spots all over it and there are discordant musical notes sort of emerging from it. And with a crash and a wham, windows are breaking and the tops of street lamps are breaking. Uh, the panel also shows Green Arrow and Speedy vaulting back into the arrow car. Green Arrow says, that unearthly music is deafening, and its vibrations are shattering store windows. Stuff cotton in your ears, Speedy. We're going after it. Then the caption for the next panel. As the ace archers race along beneath the fantastic musical missile. And the next panel shows the arrow car speeding along the highway with an arrow flying overhead. And Green Arrow says, The cocoon arrow, Speedy. It should do the trick. It'll circle the giant arrow weaving a cocoon around it, and will muffle the sound. Yeah, and this panel also shows that Ollie has fired an arrow, and we can see that the, the giant arrow in the sky is indeed being cocooned. It must be some sort of cotton-type situation or something that it's... Yes. It looks. It definitely looks like it's, you know, it's, it's being spun around it. It's, it's very effective. So, the caption for the next panel. Then, when the thundering music is silenced... The arrow car has come to a halt. They're at the docks. We can see some ropes and we can see the sea and we can see a ship in the, in the distance. And Green Arrow's standing up in the arrow car. Presumably it must be Roy that's doing all the driving. That's very interesting. Yeah. And Green Arrow fires another arrow at the big arrow in the sky with a twang. And he says, Stop the music. But 
The big arrow will hit that freighter, unless I can deflect it with the jet arrow. Sure enough, the next panel shows that Green Arrow's jet arrow has collided with a giant clang to giant arrow in the sky, and Speedy cries, You hit it, GA, but will it shun it away from the freighter? And Green Arrow says, It better had. There's no time for more arrows. The final panel of page three, the quash sound effect. We can see that the freighter has scraped it, the giant arrow has just missed it, and gone into the water. And back on dry land, Speedy yells, It missed, GA! It missed! Top of page four. And we see them back in Aerocarth, cars speeding off again. And Speedy says, I've never seen anything like it. Arrows as big as buildings. Bigger than ships. They keep coming down. Where are they coming from? Green Arrow, who's driving now, says, We've got to find out. They're a menace to populated areas. We'll get the aeroplane out, and maybe we can intercept them in the skies. A slow dissolve then, and the caption for the next panel says, While at the square where the first giant arrow landed. And we're back with the first giant arrow, and it's still embedded in the pavement. We can still see the cables that Green Arrow and Speedy used to secure it. And we can see a sort of roving reporter with a backpack and a microphone and aerial, and there's some TV cameras around, and reporter guys saying, These incredible arrows have everybody guessing and worrying. There are no official reports yet from the police or from the military. The big question is... Where are they coming from? But wait, there's another one. This one is glowing like fire. And sure enough, we can see another giant arrow coming into view, hurtling through the air. And it basically looks like the other ones, but it's glowing yellow and it's surrounded by flames. It flies overhead in the next panel and the reporter says, And there, see, on your screen, the famed aeroplane is speeding out to intercept the giant arrow. And sure enough, in the distance, we can see the, the bright yellow aeroplane also flying to the scene. We reach the bottom of page four now, and the caption for the first panel there says, At that very instant, the huge fiery missile changes course, heads straight up, and then bursts like an enormous Roman candle. And we're up in the air with the aeroplane in this panel, and sure enough we can see that the head of the arrow is exploding. It's almost like a volcanic eruption. And as the aeroplane flies towards it, Green Arrow says, Great guns, Speedy! These flying fragments will shower down on the city like meteorites. And then Green Arrow continues in the next panel as he fires from his bow. Unless we can break them into small bits with our own firecracker arrows. Yeah, and there's lots of little pow, pow, pow sound effects as they've obviously managed to intercept the fragments from this exploding giant arrow. We now move to the top of page five and the caption says, And when the dangerous meteorites have been reduced to harmless particles. And we're with Green Arrow and Speedy in the cockpit of the aeroplane. And Speedy is saying, do you think the big arrows are forerunners for some sort of attack? And if so, an attack by whom? Green Arrow, fiddling with his headset, says, We still don't know any more than we did at first. Wait, there's a message coming over the radio. The next panel shows the aeroplane hurtling through the air over the city, and there's a nice little jagged speech bubble, which is obviously the signal coming in, and a voice is saying, Calling Green Arrow, calling Green Arrow. Professor Riggles wants you at his observatory at once. Urgent, urgent. And Green Arrow says, Professor Riggles is the one who has helped the police on so many cases, Speedy. We'll land at once and see him. And then the caption for the next panel says, Shortly afterwards, at the observatory. And with the observatory building in the background, we see Green Arrow and Speedy going up a flight of stairs, and they're greeted by Professor Riggles. And Professor Riggles says, Come inside. I've discovered something fantastic concerning the giant arrows. Caption for the next panel. Inside. And we now see Professor Riggles and Green Arrow and Speedy 
in front of a really, really Jack Kirby look, style looking big piece of tech. There's lots of dials and knobs, and if you, especially on the right hand side of the panel, we'll definitely put this this one on the socials. Uh-huh. It definitely looks like something you'd find in Galactus' spaceship or in, or in Reed Richards' laboratory or something. Yeah. And there's a sort of dome shaped screen in the middle of this equipment, and the professor, as he's operating the switches, is saying, This is my new Cosmo radar set. Designed to pick up variations in cosmic ray bombardments, but instead, look what's on the screen. And on this screen, you can see sort of silhouettes of people, and you know it looks like they're operating some very familiar equipment. And indeed, Green Arrow says, "People with bows." And he continues in the next panel. Look, the picture is clearer. I can see a cable arrow similar to the type we use. And sure enough, the picture on the globe screen is much much clearer. There's a I want to say a sort of very ethereal-looking sort of fairy-type figure. Elfin, I would say. Yeah, elfin is probably a better way of saying yeah. it, yeah. Their hair is sort of curled up into the wind. Very thin arms, very slender figure. Pulling back on a bow and an arrow, and the bow has a sort of jagged sort of lightning shape to it. Yeah. Professor Riggles says, But these figures aren't from Earth, GA. My signals extend beyond Earth into space. And in the bottom panel of page five, we can see on the screen that the figure we saw in the previous panel has indeed fired their arrow. Speedy says, Look, one of the figures just fired the cable arrow. Green Arrow, looking out the window, says, And see, out there, there it is, landing, out there. Top of page six now, and we can see Green Arrow and Speedy running through a sort of foresty area, and the giant arrow with the massive cord cable attached to it, and the arrow's lying sort of flat out in the grass. And as they run towards it, Green Arrow says, Come on, Speedy. Maybe we can find some clue as to who these creatures are and where they are. The next panel, panel 2, page 6, shows Green Arrow and Speedy climbing up onto the, the shaft of the arrow. And Speedy is saying, Maybe they're out there in some invisible aircraft, G.A. But we didn't see any sign of a craft on Professor Riggle's screen. The next panel shows them both standing on the arrow, both looking up and trying to follow the direction where the cable is going. Speedy says, We can't see where the cable leads to. Green Arrow says, but perhaps we can fly in the aeroplane up to where it goes above the clouds. However, the caption of the next panel says, But before the battling bowmen can descend... The arrow has started moving. Green Arrow says, Hang on, Speedy, we're being dragged away. And then the caption for the next panel, And then an amazing phenomenon occurs. The arrow is now moving at great speed, and it's moving into a giant flash of energy, which has appeared in front of them. Green Arrow says, The arrow's beginning to vanish, Speedy. Vanish! Then the caption for the last panel of this episode says, And then something even more incredible occurs. And the arrow has emerged at the other side of this giant flash, being pulled in on its cable by that elfin figure that we saw on the screen. He's wearing an orange unitard, and he's a blue cape, and hair which sort of sprouts up and curls away from his yellow face. His hair's brown, and he's pulling in the arrow, and Green Arrow says, We've been hauled into another dimension where children, gigantic in size, are playing with bows and arrows. It's a colossal game of target practice, but somehow their toy arrows have penetrated the dimensional barrier. And Speedy says, This explains the giant arrows, but how do we get back into our own dimension again? And then we have a closing caption which says, How effective will the tiny bows of Green Arrow and Speedy be against fabulous giants? And what strange adventures await them in this world beyond worlds? The exciting answers are to be found next month when the Ace Archers play their strangest roles in 
The Prisoners of Dimension Zero. Bam, bam, bam. Exciting cliffhanger, I tell you. Mm-hmm. As as been going along, we've been noting the various sort of colour differences between yes. the original and the reprint, especially the reprint of the nineteen fifty, the greatest nineteen fifty stories ever told. Because mm-hmm. the Elephant Child in the original story, as I said, as we said, there was sort of orange and blue. But then in the reprint, he's he's dressed in blue with a purple cape, and his hair is quite different. He's coloured more naturally. Yeah. And the reprint in the Jack Kirby Omnibus, the final caption says, are to be found next when the Ace Archers, blah, 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 will have them next month, whereas the 1950s book has the next month full caption in place. Always interesting to note these differences, it must yes. be said. So, that's it for part one, Adventure Comics 252. Part two in Adventure Comics 253, which, as we say, went on sale on 28th of August 1958, dated October 1958. Peter, tell us about the cover of this very, very significant comic. Yes, it's uh, fascinating. Again, as I said before, uh, Superboy is the leading character in Adventure Comics at this time. And again, it's a Superboy cover. And this is Scoop of the Year, Superboy meets Robin. Fantastic. So we have Superboy on the front of the cover. He's encountering Robin, who seems to be smashing up one of Superboy's trophies uh, with a baseball bat. Come on, Robin. And Superboy says, who, who are you? Why are you smashing my prize trophy, the Cosmic Clock? And Robin responds by saying, My name is Robin, and I've come from the year 1958 to destroy your trophy, so it won't destroy you in the future when you grow up to be Superman. Fantastic. Gosh. Bit of time travel. Amazing. Robin, all the way from 1958. Yeah. It's been reprinted a couple of times as well, I'm sure. I think it's mm. in the, the Superboy Greatest Team-Up stories, and I'm sure it's reprinted in a 52-page giant somewhere. It's a shame we're not doing time travel stories <laughs> <laughs> as a rule, because I think that'd be quite a fun one to do. Yeah. Maybe when we get to the end of Crisis and we run out of other things to do, we'll go back and do that one. We'll travel back in time and do time travel stories. We'll travel back to 1958 and do it. So we're now moving on to the Green Arrow story from Adventure Comics 253. And we kick off, we have a giant Green Arrow logo and the usual traditional scene settings splash panel, which shows Green Arrow and Speedy on the back of a sort of giant elfin looking version of Green Arrow. He wears a similar costume. The quiver on his back is yellow, like Green Arrow's, but it's a sort of jagged green lightning bolt on it. And this giant Green Arrow-esque figure seems to be pursuing a gentleman who's dressed in an orange tunic, blue leggings. He's a blue hood on and a blue cape. And Speedy and Green Arrow are sort of clinging onto the quiver of this giant stringy elfin figure. And Speedy is saying, G.A., look, that crook is firing a ray gun at Zine Arrow. Green Arrow says, But what can we do with our small bows and arrows? Yeah, so that's Zine Arrow, that's Zine spelt X-double-E-N, so that's who this elfin green arrow is. Mm -hmm. We have an introductory caption to part two, and it says, Away from our time, our space, our dimension, go Green Arrow and Speedy into a strange realm no one knew existed. What good can their incredibly tiny bows serve them here in this, an astounding land of super giants? Fantastic surprises await the battling bowmen when they find themselves prisoners of Dimension Zero. Now, as we said at the start, this story gets reprinted in issue 449 of Action Comics. And between the two chapters, as originally published, there are 12 pages. But the reprint in Action Comics only has 11 pages. PC tells about the difference here. This first page of the second half of the story uh, is not included 
in the reprint, basically oh, yeah. because it's it's mostly just a recap, a very a very abrupt recap, as we'll find out over the next two panels. Mm. So instead, the reprint picks up from the second page of this of the second part of the story. Interesting. I think it probably would read a little better that way because the recap here doesn't really flow too well. No. The start of part two doesn't really flow too well as far as being a direct continuation of how part one finished. So the best way, I suppose, we can demonstrate that to you is just to get straight back into the story. So we have two story pages at the bottom of page one of chapter two, and the caption for the first one says, One day, as a flaming green arrow zips over the city, flashing a familiar signal, the famed arrow car roars from the secret arrow cave. Yeah, and we have a panel here of the arrow car speeding along the highway, and up in the sky there is indeed a giant flaming green arrow. Speedy's voice comes from the arrow car, saying, What now, Green Arrow? Green Arrow replies, Another of the mysterious giant arrows has landed, Speedy. We're going to investigate it. Then a caption for the next panel says, Presently, when the ace archers arrive at the spot where the colossal shaft has fallen. And this panel shows Green Arrow and Speedy astride a giant Green Arrow that's being pulled up through the air. And Speedy says, GA, it's a cable arrow and it's pulling us into space. Green Arrow replies, To where? Where are we being taken? In the reprint you're reading from, does it say G-A that Speedy says? Yes. Because in the original it says G-I. Oh, really? Yeah, so apparently he's signed up for military service. Both of the reprints I've got here, it's been fixed to G-A, and it must be said in the, the 1950s stories, Hardback, the arrow is coloured very, it doesn't really seem coloured at all, it's a sort of metallic sort of sheen to it, okay. and it's a blue sky behind them, whereas in the reprint in the Jack Kirby omnibus, mm-hmm. it's a giant green arrow, the shaft of the arrow is green, and the sky behind them is yellow with pink clouds. How does that compare to the original? Yep, that's the original. Interesting. Now, it must be said as well, before we go any further, that the splash panel at the start of chapter one which showed the arrow being pulled up into space, Yes, doesn't really equate to anything that we saw in chapter one. No, not at all. <laughs> and this little intro to, to chapter two has completely cut out the visit to Professor Riggles, uh-huh. doesn't have Ollie and Roy climbing onto the, the shaft of the arrow in the forest like they did in the last page of part one. No. So you can kind of see why this page would have been perhaps dropped from the, the action comics reprint. Yes. <laughs> Because it's very, very jarring, isn't it? Absolutely, yes, entirely. So then, over the page, and into page two of the story proper, of chapter two, and the first caption that we have says, As the green arrow faces the unknown, in split seconds past adventures race through his mind, the way a drowning man reviews his past life as he goes down for the final time. We get a nice Jack Kirby close-up here. As Green Arrow is surrounded by co-centric circles. Now, in the reprint in um, the 1950s hardback, the co-centric rings are basically just sort of shades of green. It's all blended very nicely, whereas it's a bit more of a spectrum Yes, in the reprint in the exact Kirby Omnibus. Is that what you've got in the original as well? In the original, it's very much a rainbow that focuses on his head, pretty much giving a big green circle around his head, and his face is like highlighted in blue. Then it goes to, to yellow and to orange, and, yeah. and, and it's already yeah. yeah, and it's very it's interesting noticing these differences. I don't think I've seen as many differences as this since we did that, that Lois Lane story, ages and ages and ages ago, yeah. yeah. So we have this close-up of, of, of an encircled green arrow, and he's thinking, Will we ever get back? Will we ever see the Arrow Cave or the Arrow Car? 
We're not privy to Speedy's thoughts at this point. The next panel has one of those now traditional sort of rippled effects going around its outside. We can see Green Arrow and Speedy surrounded by happy kids as they're signing autographs for them. We get a nice little inset of Green Arrow's head at the top of this panel, and he's thinking, Will we see those days again when kids flocked around us in department stores, asked for our autographs, and played with the Green Arrow (laughs) toy arrow kits? Available from Mattel. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This makes me wonder now, was there a Green Arrow kit available in the shops in real life at that point? (laughs) Or did Ollie and Roy just go out shopping one day and get besieged? Or is it an arranged, organised, properly chaperoned meet and greet type situation? Is this how Oliver Queen made his fortune? Yes. Is he is he a toy magnet? Is he giving Wiggins a run for his money? Do they charge for autographs? Is that how they made a fortune? Gosh, yeah. gosh. You no, know, did they did they preempt all of those super conventions that you get nowadays when um <laughs> you're charged twenty quid for the, the privilege of a fading TV science fiction actor scrolling in your your scabby 10 by 8 photograph. Who can say now? I mean, I'm fascinated with the, the absolute jump. I mean, yeah. the the narrative, because there's been very little recap of the events that we saw in mm-hmm. part one. It's almost like they've gone straight into almost another story. Yeah, You could argue a case for even chopping out that first page and maybe even the first two panels of, of page two, because basically panel three more or less picks up from where part one finished off. The caption for panel three and page two says... Then, suddenly, the famed bowman passed through a warp in space and emerged from a target fired at by giant children at play. Yeah, the arrow, the cable arrow that they were astride, which was such a big deal at the tail end of part one, seems to have disappeared. And we can now see Ollie and Roy running across what looks like yellow grass. Is it yellow in what yes, you're reading? Yes. Yeah. Reprinted as just as sort of green grass in the 1950s hardback. What looks like the giant, jagged, lightning bolt-shaped bow that we saw in part one that is now lying in the ground. Green Arrow and Speedy run past it. We can see some other giant elfin children playing in the background. Green Arrow says, while all this is going on, Hurry, Speedy, get into hiding, where we can collect our wits. Yes, and then the caption of the next panel says, Soon, under the cover of towering brush. Yeah, we can see Green Arrow and Speedy hiding behind some giant leaves. And Speedy says, What's happened to us, G.A.? Where are we? Green Arrow replies. The giant arrows which landed in our world were fired through some sort of dimensional hole. By these children, we're in another dimension. They're in another dimension, listeners. The caption for the next panel then at the bottom of page two says. Astounded, the ace archers make their way to the edge of the woods. Only to find... We should let the dialogue help us out here. Green Arrow says. We're in a roof garden, atop a high building. In a world of super giants, Speedy says. And, though it exists right around Earth, we couldn't see it before because it's in another dimension. And we can see in this panel that they're now at the, sort of the edge of this rooftop garden, at the edge of the top of a building. We can see other skyscrapers. There looks like another sort of spaceship, combo, aeroplane sort of combo flying below them. They're obviously very, very high up. Then the caption for the next panel says, Suddenly... And we're down on street level in this other dimension. And the figure in the orange unitard and the blue cape and the blue hood and the blue leggings that we saw in the splash panel is running out of a building. He's got something in his arms. And one of the other inhabitants of this other dimension is pointing at this hooded figure and he's saying, A thief! And look, he has robbed a bank! They've got banks in this other dimension. That's amazing. Of course. Top of page three now. And we can see Green Arrow and Speedy looking down from the rooftop garden at what's going on. And Green Arrow says, I can't hear them, Speedy, yet, inside my brain, 
I hear a voice shouting that a thief is stealing something. These people speak a mental language, a sort of telepathy. And a pointing speedy cries. G.A., look! And we see another speech bubble, like the one that we saw for the alien on page two. It's a slightly jagged sort of edge to it, obviously indicating the telepathy. And this speech bubble is saying, There he comes, Zine Arrow! And in the next panel, we can still see Ollie and Roy at the edge of this rooftop garden. And they're looking down and we see the, the tall, stringy, thin, slim version of the Green Arrow figure that we saw in the opening splash panel. Um, he's wearing the red gloves that Green Arrow wears, red boots, black mask. He has the green Robin Hood-style hat. He's swinging into view on a line, and Speedy says, Seen Arrow? He seems to be an imitation of you, G.A. And Green Arrow says, But what an imitation. He's at least a mile tall. We'll hitch a ride with him and see if he can use our help. Then the caption for the next panel says, Then, when the tiny bowmen leap onto the giant archer's quiver... Now, there is no way in heck that this guy's a mile tall if Roy and Ollie <laughs> are that size climbing into his quiver. They must have grown in size as well. Must have been there. Anyway, sorry, that's interrupted narrative flow. We see the hooded bank robber alien guy has spotted Zinaro, and he says, Zinaro, I'll fix you! And with a splat sound effect, well, he fires his gun, and very helpfully, Green Arrow says, The crook's firing a ray gun. What can we, or... Even Zin Arrow do with bow and arrow. The caption for the next panel says, The fabulously large bow supplies the answer as it fires one arrow which breaks into four more. And there's a lot going on in this panel. The dialogue from Green Arrow and Speedy, which comes in from off panel, sort of helps out. Green Arrow says, One arrow is shooting a smokescreen around the thief's eyes, so he can't see Zin Arrow. The other got the ray gun. And sure enough, we can see one of the arrows almost appears to be sort of circling the bad guy, leaving a trail of smoke behind him and sort of fogging up his view. And one of the other arrows has struck his hand, and we see his ray gun breaking into pieces as it flies from his hand. There's two other arrows coming in, one of which is pulling a sort of green, looks like a green chain behind it, and we can't really see what the other one's doing at this point. And indeed, off-camera, Speedy remarks, But what will the other two arrows do? The caption for the next panel at the bottom of page three says, Speedy's question is answered quickly as the chain arrow whirls around the outlaw's uplifted hands. And we see the smoke still going on and the chain winding itself around the bad guy's wrists. And indeed, in the little inset panel of Green Arrow and Speedy hiding in Zine Arrow's quiver, Green Arrow says, Look, it's wrapping around his wrists. See what you see, Ollie. Terrific. And then we get the final panel of page three and Green Arrow says, and that arrow is like our acetylene arrow. It's welding the chain together with a cold, harmless heat. Yes. I wonder if this other arrow is sentient, because we get a close-up of the, the bad guys. It must be said, very delicate and um, very well manicured <laughs> um, <laughs> fingers with the green metallic chains of Cheney's wrists and a little burst of, of this cold, harmless heat emerging from the tip of the, the final fourth arrow welding the, the chains together. Terrific. We now move to the top of page four, and a caption that says, But the next moment, the giant archer in Dimension Zero faces new peril. And this is another point where it's, it's worth pointing out the differences between the original and the reprints, because in the original, the caption says, Dimension Al, you know, Dimension with A-L at the end, and that is repeated in the reprint in the 1950s book. It's edited just to Dimension Zero in the Jack Kirby omnibus, 
What does it say in the action comics? In action comics, it says Dimension Zero. Wow, so there's no consistency no, not across at all. these reprints <laughs> at all. This is insane. So anyway, right, back to the plot. The first panel of page four shows Scene Arrow unmasking the hooded figure, revealing a sort of scowling, chin-bearded face underneath. Green Arrow and Speedy are still in Scene Arrow's quiver, but there's a sort of purple-looking space car coming in at the other side. Green Arrow and Speedy have noted this, but never mind the inconsistencies across the lettering and across the reprints and the, and the mistakes in the original here. They've got um, Green Arrow and Speedy's speech bubbles mixed up here, but we're going to play them as if they're correct. <laughs> Speedy says, as he beholds this incoming purple space car, Look, GA, Zine Arrow is unmasking one crook, but the other one in the car is aiming some sort of rocket gun at him. Green Arrow replies, Quickly, Speedy, we've got to distract him. Fire your balloon arrows. Then a caption for the next panel says, The tiny missiles speed toward their mark, expanding as they zip through the air. This is amazing, because we then have a panel of the balloon arrows flying through the air. They're inflating, and indeed, Green Arrow's off-panel dialogue says, See, the arrows are taking in air, growing larger. That's amazing. I want want a diagram of how that works, please. The caption for panel three on page four says, Larger and larger they grow until reaching the bursting stage. And we see the driver of the space car, who has a sort of very large collar which comes up behind his head. He also has some neat facial hair and pronounced elf-like ears that the other characters were seen with pops and pows. All of the balloon arrows are bursting around him. And the alien exclaims, What magic is this? I didn't even see Zine Arrow pull his bowstring yet! And he's surrounded by pops and pops as the balloons explode all around him. He drops his gun. The caption for the next panel. And in that split second, Zine Arrow finds time to fire a hail of plastic net arrows. Yes, he finds time to do that, but Jack Kirby doesn't find time to draw it. All we see is the second alien covered in very, (laughs) very dodgy looking stringy white stuff. In the reprint in the 50s book, it's green and looks slightly less dodgy. And off panel, we have Green Arrow remarking, Look at those fantastic arrows. They've trapped the second crook in some gummy substance. (laughs) Right, so we're now at the bottom of page four. We have a caption that says, And with the outlaws of this strange dimension captured, Zine Arrow speeds away in his version of an arrow car unaware of his two tiny passengers. Yes, this other dimensional arrow car is very sleek. It's like a very pointed, sort of dark-looking aeroplane almost. It's like Concorde. Yeah, it's like a little canopy where, where Zine Arrow obviously pilots it from and um, there are three wheels at the back and a couple of wheels at the front, obviously, with the look of it. I hope, the, I hope it's very well balanced. It's interesting, Zine Arrow doesn't seem to have noticed that Ollie and Roy helped him with the balloon arrows. That's a bit disappointing. Anyway, the caption for the final panel on page four says... Deep into the towering hills speeds the unusual car, and then... And we see the car spinning up to a road, and a red beam of light flashing out from the front of it, and a big hatchway opening up on the side of one of the hills. And Green Arrow remarks, Take a look at this, Speedy. It's a super arrow cave. This is very much like the uh, 1960s Batman TV series, Entrance to the Batcave from the road. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much like that. It's very cool. This is obviously predates that by quite a bit. Yeah, interesting. That's really cool. It is, it definitely is. We arrive at the top of page five and the first caption says, A short while later, when Zine Arrow assumes his other identity, 
that of a leading scientist. And Zine Arrow has changed out his Green Arrow-looking costume. He's now wearing a sort of purple cloak around his shoulders. There are sort of blue bands with yellow and red details on them. He's, we can see that he's blonde, like Green Arrow. He has the pointy ears and sort of long strips of hair that come off his head at the top on either side, very like the, the figures we saw on the long-forgotten Professor Riggles screen in part one. <laughs> we can see Zine Arrow's Arrow car equivalent parts in the background. What we can see of his laboratory, there's some very Jack Kirby-style detailings going on in some of the designs. Yes, very much so. And he's hanging up his quiver, and he's spotted our two heroes. And Zine Arrow says, Well, well, what have we here? Tiny people, archers such as I. You must be the ones who helped me at the robbery. Where did you hail from? And Green Arrow is shown thinking. Thought is our only communication with you. We came from another dimension, hauled here by a giant rope arrow. And the next panel shows Zine Arrow holding his quiver, and he's saying, Indeed, that explains what happened to the arrows our children used from their Zine Arrow play kits. The toy arrows they fired vanished into your dimension. But wait, you will be trapped here forever unless we can get you back to your own dimension within seconds. It's because of the comet, Green Arrow thinks. The comet? And in arriving at the bottom of page five, with a little insert cut out ahead of Zinaro, he's obviously narrating what's going on, and he's saying, Yes, a wandering comet orbited too close to us and caused unusual reactions in our lightoscopes. And this panel shows, I'm not sure if it's Zinaro himself, but it looks like it might be him, because he is a leading scientist, mm-hmm. with a couple of other aliens, and this is so Kirby it's unbelievable. Doesn't this look like something from Fantastic Four in its Imperial stage? Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. It's gorgeous. And we can see one of the other dimensional alien with a very interesting hat. And he's saying, The comet draws closer. And there's another, I would guess, maybe female-looking operative um, going by the outfit she's wearing. She's operating some equipment on the right side of the panel. And she says, Our lightoscopes observe an alien light is affecting them, such as a light from an unknown star. And in the final panel of page five, we're back with Zinaro and with Ollie and Roy. Zinaro is holding up his bow and he's fitted an arrow that Green Arrow and Speedy are balanced on. And Zinaro is communicating to them, The alien light must have been from your dimension. Tell me where you entered. I must get you back there at once before the comet departs and closes the dimensional gap. Green Arrow thinks back, We came in through a target on the roof garden. The final page of the story, the first caption for the first panel says, Placing the two tiny archers on the arrow, the huge dimensional archer fires it, and... With a twang, the arrow starts flying, and off panel, Zine Arrow thinks, Farewell! Farewell! But the arrow must get there quickly, or you must remain here forever! The caption for the next panel. Out over the great sprawling city speeds the arrow with its midget passengers. And this panel shows the arrow flying over this immaculately rendered Jack Kirby city as a sort of plume of smoke behind it. Speedy says, Will we be there in time, G.A.? Will we? Green Arrow replies, We'd better be, or... The caption for the next panel, Directly into the target centre it goes, as somewhere far off... The wandering comet departs. And we see the arrow, the green arrow and speedy are on, this plume of smoke disappearing into the target, which seems to be made up of bright bands of red and yellow light. Speedy says, It closed, GA. That dimensional gap closed. Green arrow says, And just in the nick of time, do we say goodbye to dimension zero? The caption for the next panel says, Then 
On the other side of the dimensional wall, the archers fire their parachute arrows. Yep, they fire the parachute arrows, and very charmingly, the arrows appear to have the parachutes coming out of their bottom, and Ollie and Roy have secured the parachutes to the giant arrow that they're flying on to slow its pace, because Green Arrow says, That's it. Now we can settle down to a landing. And a slow dissolve to the final panel of the story, and a caption that says, Later on in the Arrow Cave's trophy room. And we can see the tail end of the giant Green Arrow that they flew in on. Green Arrow and Speedy are in civvies as Roy and Ollie. Ollie is a pipe, it must be said. <laughs> it is the 50s after all. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't more 50s have tried. Roy Harper is saying, And that's it, G.A. Our only memento of Dimension Zero. The giant arrow. And Green Arrow concludes, If we collect any more mementos as big as this, we'll have to house them in a hangar for B-29s. The, the end. end. That really just deserved a whoa ho 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 Statlin Waldorf laugh yes. at the end there. Yeah, yes. And a bit of, a, <laughs> a little bit of music to sort of play in as executive producer Jack Kirby flashed up. So Green Arrow and Speedy travelled to another mm -hmm. dimension and they met yep. an alternate version of Green Arrow. Yes. So this completely falls within our remit and we definitely should have done it. What did you think of the story? It was a lot of nonsense, but a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. My main takeaway from it is just it's how they really the two halves don't really connect. I mean, no. It's always when you look back at part one that the moment that Green Arrow and Professor Riggles and Speedy are all looking up at the screen and Green Arrow says, "People with bows, these figures aren't from Earth, GA. My signals extend beyond Earth into space." So it's just all this talking about into space rather than you know into another dimension. Yeah. But then we get the dimensional barrier at the end. It's interesting that, obviously, he's picked up the kids who were playing in the rooftop garden. Yeah. It would have been nice if there'd been a, a line of dialogue or something that said, that's what Professor Riggles had on his screen. Yeah. It was these alien children playing in their other dimensional rooftop garden. Yeah. Just for just for the sort of sake of clarity. I feel a bit sorry for Professor Riggles, really, because, you know, he's kind of, like, written out straight away. <laughs> yes, completely erased. I can't help but wonder... If when they got back, Green Arrow and Speedy then went and explained to all the police and radio, police officers and radio reporters and panicked people in the streets mm -hmm. where these arrows had come from. And obviously they say that the dimensional gap closed yeah, and the comet has gone away, which means the barrier between these dimensions will no longer be weakened. So there shouldn't be any more trouble with arrows coming through it. Yeah. But you can't help but wonder if maybe the kids had spotted this and were just doing it deliberately to mess with the humans. But a bit of a coincidence, really, you know, this uh, weakness in the dimensional barrier is, you know, the centre of their target, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> also, what a shot Zinaro made from his own yeah. arrow cave all across the city. <laughs> this massive, massive yes. city. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. To hit the target dead centre right in the nick of time to put them back through. Incredible. Yeah, it does look as if they, you know, there's some sort of propulsion with the arrow. So yes. maybe all he did was just sort of aim it. But he must uh -huh. have some, as you say, some really good eye to have aimed all the way from his cave on the outskirts of the city, all the way back mm -hmm. into this particular rooftop garden. It's very interesting. Good thing Zine Arrow is a scientist and not, you know, like a playboy like uh, like Ollie is. Exactly. He's a leading scientist. A leading scientist. I wonder if he is a pipe. He probably does. We didn't get his real name. That's interesting. Oh, no, we did. Yeah. Zine. Maybe does it rhyme with? Maybe it rhymes with green. Does it rhyme with queen? I don't know. But it's it's really interesting that in this other dimension they have buildings, they have cities, but they also they have banks. They uh -huh. have bad guys who are resourced, yeah. but they also have vigilante arrow wielding superheroes. Yes, which is quite cool. I, 
I wonder if they've got any other zine counterparts. Yeah. Is there a zine lantern? Is there um is there a flash? Is there a, a zine version of Mr. Terrific or Matt Reader Lad? Just to pick up two randoms. I mean, I want to know the origin of Zine Arrow. Mm-hmm. You know, was he marooned in an island or did he pick Possibly. up archery just as a hobby because he's a leading scientist? Could be. I don't know. Could be. It's fascinating. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't, as we said at the talk, we haven't done any Jack Kirby stories yet, so it was nice to see how nice his artwork is at this point, because some of his early Marvel stuff is a bit scrappy, but this was really nice. There was some really, at the risk of repeating myself completely, there was some really nice detail to a lot of a lot of what we saw. Yeah, absolutely, and I do like the, the look of, of Xenaro and the aliens in general, as well as the lanky elfin look. They've kind of got these odd, wide faces. Yes. Uh, that are really quite alien, for lack of a better word, you know, they, they definitely... Uh-huh. They look close to human, but definitely not human. But not in the way that, you know, Star Trek Next Generation just shoves some lumps in their forehead. It's uh, uh-huh. it's very much a 1950s style, which was quite appropriate because this is from 1958. So <laughs> Yeah, but they're humanoid to the extent where it's a head and two arms and two legs and all that. But you, you see that it's these very long, extended limbs. And mm-hmm. they do look like very traditional 50s, 60s DC Comics aliens. Yes. You know, they just walk straight out of Strange Adventures or something like that. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, you know, the cover of Unexpected or Mystery in Space or something like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. I mean, one thing that really struck me about this, you know, we've talked before about how characters that we're used to reading more recent stories about, you know, we've said many times how we're used to the the James Robinson version of The Shade. Yeah. It was really interesting. I was really struck by the absolute real lack of characterisation for either Green Arrow or Speedy. I'm so used to Ollie being a bit louder and, like you were saying, always screwing up to Hawkman. And after his reboot in Brave and Bold, when Neil Adams gave him the beard and the new costume, and he was just a bit more interesting and less of a just, you know, generic Batman clone in a Robin Hood costume. And then obviously yeah. with Speedy, everything that happened to him with the drug addiction storyline and all the stuff with his daughter and all yeah. the stuff in Titans that happened much, much later. You get used to these versions of the characters and it's very yeah. odd just reading something like this. They're almost blank slates. I mean, Roy practically says nothing. Practically everything he says is just a reaction or, you know, asking Ollie what's going on or asking the questions that the audience might be asking. So maybe, you know, that's it. He's there again still as the as the audience identification figure for the younger fan, I suppose. But it was just a bit galling that, you know, neither of them really didn't have much more to say. I'm fascinated by the fact this story was reprinted so many times, more than I <laughs> am. And it's like, oh, okay. One thing I want to mention, which I think is hilarious, is yes. the fact yes. that when... Green Arrow has his drowning man flashback. The one thought he has out of all his adventures <laughs> is signing stuff in a department store for children. Yes. This is bizarre. Out of every single adventure Green Arrow's had, you know, it's that, mm. that's the one thing that sticks in his mind. You know, we don't get any other flashbacks. Yeah. That is it. Last thing in his mind. That's so bizarre. Obviously, that ties into children with the bone arrow set. That ties into the, the other dimension one. That's that's the only thing there. That's a very good point. Yes, it does tie into the kids. That's very true. It's a bit disappointing, really. If there was more breathing room in this story, this could have been epic. You know, you could have had an amazing. Like, can you imagine a big Kirby splash page? Mm. You know, flashing back to Green Arrow's favorite adventures. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's just the fact because it's a space filler backup strip. And we should say at this point, Green Arrow and Aquaman, they is, I think as we probably said when we talked about Aquaman, yeah. them and Johnny Quick, they all debuted within months of each other. Mm-hmm. But Green Arrow and Aquaman, aside from Wonder Woman, Superman and Batman, they're the only guys that kept going from the Golden Age all the way through. Yep. Green Arrow was never rebooted. I mean, Speedy had a couple of different origins, so uh-huh. I suppose you could use them if you want to determine the, the cut-off point between the Golden Age and, and Silver Age Green Arrows and Speedies if you liked. Mm-hmm. 
But because it's just a backup strip, we don't really have the space to do full sort of bleeds into touching to every aspect of the story and fill everything out. So there's an awful lot of really good ideas that we're only really getting hinted at, I suppose, here. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm fascinated by Zinaro. I really am. It's a very cool concept. If only someone would revisit that concept. It's funny you should say that, because in issue 8 of the initial Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp run in Green Lantern, issue 8 published in 2019, it's a very Grant sort of story. There's some bad guys that actually wear hoods and look very like the bad guys from the original Zinaro sort of story. Of course. Green Arrow and Green Lantern see Zinaro, who at this point in sort of narrative, he looks even more like Oliver because he's grown a big moustache and a goatee beard. <laughs> um, he ends up in um in our dimension. He's in danger because his dimensional belt is broken. He's in, he's in danger of being crushed under the weight of our gravity. And basically, our Ollie and Hal end up sort of tripping because... The, some stuff with sort of drugs going on, they end up shooting arrows at the moon, blah, blah, blah. And then the Dimension Zero version of Green Lantern pops up to take away the bad guy and take Xenaro home. I haven't done a very good job of describing it, it must be said. <laughs> it's quite dense. It's a grand story, so it's quite dense. Yeah, that's just the absolute bare bones of it. Um, but it's quite interesting that, you know, what, just over 60 years later, mm-hmm. Grant revives him. And I suppose if anyone was going to revive him just over 60 years later, it would be Grant, wouldn't it? Of course, of course. He also appeared in the second issue of The Kingdom, which was a spin-off from the, the very well-received Kingdom Come miniseries that Alec Ross did. Yes, yes. I, I really enjoyed The Kingdom. The Kingdom was great because it introduced hypertime, yes. which um, we thought was going to solve everything at that point, and, and then it didn't. Um, but yeah, he appeared as and part of the, the big sort of splash of interdimensional and characters from different timelines and universities that we sort of saw when Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are sort of beholding the, the potential of hypertime. Yes. Ah... <sighs> Hyper time. So much potential. Turn of the century potential before it all went wrong. Anyway, less said about hyper time, the better, probably. But everything exists now anyway. Because my, my local comic book store has been has been closed because of the pandemic, I'm completely behind with everything. I um, haven't really picked anything that's been out recently, but I've, I've sort of skimmed a few details on, on Twitter and mm-hmm. Newsarama stories on Facebook mm-hmm. to sort of see that they've done another, in the wake of um, Convergence or the wake of Multiversity, they've done yet another big reboot which tries to try to address the nature of what stories exist in continuity and which ones don't. Everything exists. And I'm just sort of like... Everything exists. Yes, and it's just like, guys... Do you want to just stop rebooting everything and just, just focus tell some and tell good some stories. good stories? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yes, tell some good stories like the mystery of the giant arrows. You know, we've had a couple of stories and we will have a couple more stories when we talk about something called Dimension X. So, you know, and we're, if we're doing them, it was absolutely worth doing this story. This is probably the best time to do it. Um, we talked at the start about how we'd sort of, we probably could have done this one a bit earlier on. I think it's probably good to do it now We've established a bit more about the multiverse and, you know, mm-hmm. we can sort of talk about other dimensions yes. a little bit in the dip because, you know, we've had Dimension X a couple of times now. Um, we've had, you know, Earth X and that Jimmy Olsen story, mm-hmm. you know. So it's nice to talk about Dimension Zero. And again, it qualifies because uh-huh. it's another version of a superhero that we know. So, yeah, interesting. Yay. And again, before Flash of Two Worlds. Yep. Amen. Amazing. So let, let's work this out then. So Wonder Woman was the first to travel to another reality or plane of existence or dimension yes. and meet another version of herself. Uh-huh. Yep. A and couple of things. Green Arrow was the second, I suppose. All before Barry Allen first met Jay Garrick. Well then, stick with us, kids. Stick with us. We're puncturing myths and shattering preconceptions all over the place. <laughs>
Uh, unfortunately, there's no letters pages from uh, Adventure Comics at this time. But that doesn't stop you from writing to us to tell us what you think about this story and indeed our coverage of it. Uh, you can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because, as we said, we're putting up some of these great Jack Kirby panels for you to look at. We certainly will. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast, And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. Yes, please do um, rate and review us on your various podcast capturing apps or devices because I'm told that these sort of things are beneficial to us. And please... To get in touch, we have a few folk that regularly comment on Facebook and tell us how we're doing, but it'd be nice to hear a little bit more from you. Well, that kind of wraps up everything for this week's episode. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we will see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Green Arrow and Oliver. Green Arrow is Oliver.